Well, we turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, and we're going to be looking at verses 61 and 62. But actually, as I think about it more, really, verse 62 is our focus. And actually, verse 61 uh, kind of hints back to an earlier part. I think what I'd like to do is actually start at verse 57 in terms of what I'm going to read. And just kind of highlight that really it's, it's verse 62 that, uh, that we're looking at tonight. But we'll look at, rather than just the one part of the context, we'll look at the whole. So look with me at Luke, 50, uh, Luke 9, 57 to 62, with our focus on verse 62. Hear now the word of the Lord. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of heaven. No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of heaven. This idea of plowing, to not stop plowing, if we're going to be fit for the service of the kingdom of heaven. They're all making excuses. I won't, I won't explain their excuses, but they are excuses. For instance, the man's father is not likely dead. We wait until he dies. You know, there's all these reasons that people delay getting right with God and getting right with the church, really getting serious about serving Christ. And then a lot of time passes where plowing and farming of seed and growth could be done. Whether it's in our own families, because we're always busy with something else we don't get to, whether it's in the church, whether it's in trying to do more evangelism, we've always got an excuse. And Jesus is saying, enough with the excuses. Get to work. You realize it's the time of reformation, the scripture says. You realize it's the, const- it's the inauguration of my kingdom. You realize... We're in the end. It's the time to harvest. To do that, we've got to plow the ground and we've got to plant the seed. Well, I'm preaching the scripture tonight as another special request for Mr. Renner. Uh, Kind of developing into a bit of a mini-series, this being the third of a a mini-series. The first one was not Mr. Renner's request, but last week he did request... Uh, a message. Uh, he requested a scripture talking about um, you don't labor in the vain when you labor for the Lord, even in the face of death, because of the resurrection. It's true, and faith in it is true. Uh, but that was uh, the the message of that sermon was because your faith and the resurrection is real. Do earthly works with heavenly zeal. But he was motivated by that or inspired to ask for that because of the sermon that was the week before in the evening. The message was, may your last years be your best years. Even with the kinds of changes that come at later parts of our life, 
we might adjust in how we can serve, but we don't need to serve with any less zeal or any less effort. In fact, they could be our best service to the Lord. Tonight's verse is one that also motivates him not to grow weary in well-doing and being busy about serving the Lord, trusting we will, faint, uh, we will reap, that is, if we faint not. You can think of Psalm 126, I believe, as a good psalm that goes with that. But uh, he's basing, uh, or excuse me, I preached a sermon uh, related to that, and it's about the idea of um, keeping your hand to the plow. He had that idea. He didn't reference the verse. I looked it up, but he said, keeping our hands to the plow. That's what he really wanted to be encouraged by. Now, I did preach a sermon called uh, Keep Your Hand to the Plow based on Galatians 6, 9. I preached it for two different presbyteries, particularly for ministers and elders. And I was thinking of this same verse as an application of preaching Galatians 6, 9, keep your hand to the plow. But actually, that's not what the text says technically. It doesn't say to keep your hand to the plow. And, you know, when I go to a text closely for preaching, I look at it, what it's really saying closely. And that's not directly what it's saying. It's true. It's, it's necessary to keep your hand to the plow, of course. How are you going to keep hold of it, right? I mean, it just psh, go off and won't, won't it, nothing will happen. But just like the need to hold on to a baseball bat, you got to hold on to the bat, right? However, you don't hear the coach yell out to the batter about to take a pitch, keep your hands to the bat, right? I think the batter would turn around and maybe the pitcher and guy on third base and most of the people in the crowd would turn around and go, huh? Does that really need to be said? (laughs) Of course, if we don't keep our hands at the bat, we're not going to hit anything. Might get hit, right? You don't hear a coach say that. What do you hear them say? Keep your eye on the ball. And that's one of the things that we have to teach. We, we teach our children when we try to teach them baseball. You know, keep your eye on the ball. You're missing because you're taking your eye off the ball. How many times I heard that playing uh, baseball growing up? Keep your eye on the ball. Or if you can think of another uh, life situation, when we're driving, folks may caution you, uh, keep your hand on the wheel, you know. Uh, But they will scream sometimes, keep your eyes on the road, (laughs) right? Big difference. You can steer with your knee momentarily. I'm not telling you to do that, especially Olivia who's about to take a test. You know, don't do that. You're not going to pass. But, you know, maybe you're trying to open that Twinkie or whatever. I don't want to say, look at your texting. But you could probably get away for a minute. But the danger of texting is what? You keep your eye off the road. You get your eyes off the road, even for a moment, you will swerve off the road without keeping your eyes on it and possibly into oncoming traffic, if not off the road entirely into the bank. So our text does not actually say, keep your hand to the plow. It's certainly a given and an understood, but I imagine most farmers would have said, well, yeah, that's, we know that. <laughs> of course, you keep your hand to the plow. What Jesus is saying more specifically, that keeping your hand to the plow would be of any use, keep your eyes on the plowing. That's the message for you tonight from our text. Keep your eyes on the plowing. Look at verse 62. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. 
So it's implied, but he says explicitly, okay, the context is you've put your hand on the plow. But having put your hand on the plow to be farming, if you start to look away, your hand cannot do the work without the eye directing it. And so the focus, really, Jesus is saying, is keep your eye on the plowing, that your hand on the plow would be able to stay straight and do what it's supposed to do. Because in both cases, whether it's baseball or farming, you will swing or you will sow and you will miss the mark if you are looking in the wrong direction. And in particular, Jesus is concerned that we would look back. That we'd second guess ourselves. Well, we counted the cost, but maybe I need to count it a couple more times. I wasn't thinking about this. I wasn't thinking about that. And come up with the kinds of excuses that he is criticizing here tonight. By the way, Jesus reads hearts and knows the real deal. We can make our excuses sound really compelling. But Jesus isn't impressed. Get to work. Keep your eyes on serving me and move forward. The farmer's hand is most likely to let go or steer to the side if his eyes look back, right? It's not likely he's going to let go unless the animal's out of control or something. Uh, it's not likely. He might hold on for dear life. It's not likely he's going to let go. The issue is letting go with his eyes. That's the danger. Jesus says to follow him is to never take your eyes off where he is leading you. And that's following him. I give that to you as the main idea of our verse and its context. Jesus says to follow him is never to take your eyes off where he is leading you. What he's wanting you to do. In verse 61, in the preceding verses we looked at, there are commitments to follow Jesus, but excuses to begin delaying. And delay beginning, really. It doesn't seem they've really got the plow moving at all yet. Looking backward instead of moving forward. And beloved, all that really does ever is having us walking in circles or hiding our head in the sand at the end of the day. But making nothing out of it. Jesus says, don't look backward instead of forward, away from Jesus instead of after him. Jesus says you never do that with farming if you want to get anywhere and produce something. And that's the idea, that's the illustration application he's making. Jesus is calling us to farm. And that is to follow him and plant seed, which requires preparing the ground. It requires plowing fallow ground. And fallow ground is hard work because the ground is hard. And it takes a long time. I remember once I was riding in a combine, not sowing, but reaping a, a really high-tech, big, huge combine, and took all day. There's plenty left to do. You wait a long time to get it all prepared, plant the seed, and then you wait a long time for it to grow. 
And then it's a lot of work to reap it. This is what Jesus calls us to do in the ministry. You know, we're doing a lot of outreach right now, and we have some things that are encouraging us, though nothing directly related. We remember a message I've shared on evangelism from an RP pastor back in Pennsylvania. His experience is churches that do outreach usually are the ones that the Lord is blessing with, with growth. However, he says, it's not usually the direct work that you've done to keep us humble, <laughs> but it's still a long work. It's a lot of work, and there's always going to be a temptation for us to keep our eye, to take it off the field to take it off the work of the ministry, to take it off looking to make disciples, finding them, growing, developing. So it's going to be a temptation. You know, we're going to try to keep our hands on, but it's always going to be a temptation to look back and be unproductive as far as we are able. He's calling us to farm. He's calling us to dig the dirt and plant the seed. It's the kind of thing that gets dirt in your fingernails and dirt in your teeth, dirt in your hair and in your ears. Sweat, but it produces something. Life in the end, wherever it takes. But there's a process, there's a means that the Lord normally uses, ordinarily uses. Slow plodding, slow plowing. I recall Charles Jefferson quite hints to growing preachers in my study, something like that. My mom gave me years ago. It turns out it's a really well known book. Um, I have a nice, neat, old copy of it, so I didn't, wasn't familiar with it at first. But he talks about the glory of plodding. And he says, ministers, the kind of minister you need, the person you need to be a minister is not an eagle and not a racehorse. You need a farmer, someone who could stick to the job through the seasons, preach in and out of season, right? And through the seasons of life and, you know, good times and bad times, it keeps showing up. Why is the other illustration? What's the other example? Remember, Jesus calls who to be his immediate apostles and disciples? Fishermen. Because they know what it's like to keep casting the net when you catch nothing. To be out there all night. To keep trying through storms. But you keep fishing. You trust that sometimes you get a catch, sometimes you don't. But that's what you do. Because that's what you are. That's what Jesus calls, us to, calls you to, to be plowing. Jesus calls you to be the people seen here just continuing to plow and plant. Here in worship, even when we're out there doing grounds work, well, that's always big evangelism for us. Even when we keep singing outside to, before we come in, we're learning people just come in and do as recently. I see you singing every week. Maybe we say, ah, maybe we should stop. Nobody's come of it. Well, we've seen it in the past when we sing outside during COVID. Maybe it'll happen again. Either way, let's just keep giving glory to the Lord in the neighborhood. And maybe over time, might be a couple years from now, somebody finally says, I've been watching you for years. And the Lord finally blows through and leaves start to grow and move. Now, plowing is hard work, but it also requires attention. It requires focus, not just to persevere, but to do good work and to get work done. So we have our full energy needed to till the ground and keep on steady to make a straight row for planting seed. God is not a, a God of disorder. We're called to do all things good, decent order. He's not a God of confusion. He would have us plow straight lines, line after line, as best as we can. That's the most, the best stewardship of what he gives us. The 
One reason it requires uh, be keeping your eyes forward is because you're not pushing the plow. You're just guiding it. In this context, they're not riding tractors, but what is happening? <laughs> they have an animal pulling the plow. And they're guiding the plow. And imagine just putting some weight in it to get it to catch. Some talk about sometimes they're not looking to overturn the ground. They're just looking to scratch it to loosen it up. Either way, you've got to be able to be facing forward, not only to keep straight, but to give the animal you're using to pull the plow direction. They often call out to the animal with shouts and commands to keep the animal moving, to keep the animal straight and moving forward. That is really our call. I mean, we can really say we're called to follow Jesus. We're just told to hang on and look forward, you know. Not that it isn't work, but it's the Lord that does the work. It's the Lord that gives the growth. We're just called to plant and water, and we move forward. We do our best, but it's really the Lord that's pulling it. We're just trying to do our best to guide with the resources he's given us to work with. But how can we do that if we're not looking forward? One commentator warns about what Jesus is criticizing, and they say it is not actual return to the world, but a reluctance to break with it. You know, they're not saying, I'm not going to follow you. What are they all saying? I will follow you. Totally plan to follow you. Absolutely. I just got to get one more coffee, please, you know. I kind of joke sometimes when we have our work days, as soon as we start, okay, time for a coffee break, you know, which would be ridiculous, right, <laughs> you know, and it's like we keep asking for another coffee break all the time, and we just can't be, but I'll be there, I'm coming, yeah, you know, and we just never get around to it, not with the serious stuff that's life-changing, not with the sacrificial stuff that invests in people's lives and changes our lives in the process. We're always coming up with excuses, but we're not really... You know, I'm not going to follow you, Jesus. I'm just going to, I'll catch up with you later, Jesus. That's the danger, being distracted by cares of the world. He, he brings that concern up with the seed that doesn't take, right, in other parables, the, other things he says in parables elsewhere. It's easy to get discouraged serving Jesus and not let go but start getting distracted from the task by gazing around and getting behind or off track or saying, you know, we haven't seen much of this and we're getting tired and why don't we just put it to bed and think of something else. Beloved, don't have your hands on your Bibles, but your head's in the clouds. Keep your eyes on the horizon and away from detours. Watch for Christ's return. Stay on the straight and narrow. And by the way, farming is the same all the time. I mean, I know that technology develops and, you know, we're no longer being, being pulled by animals. We're riding machines with a lot of horsepower, right? But it's essentially the same. It's the same stuff. It's always the same work, right? It's not glamorous. It's the same regular, ordinary stuff, year over year, season after season. And that's what the Lord is calling us to. And beloved, I want to challenge you as you would raise your children and raise your families. It's the same stuff. Don't get distracted. 
Do the basic same stuff of regular Bible study, regular prayer, regular talking with your children wherever you go according to Deuteronomy about the main things of the scripture and keep catechizing and then go back to it again. Keep teaching to sing the songs and a lot of times there may be seasons of your life where it's harder but you still do your best. I'm in one of those seasons with two jobs. I don't like to speak of the ministry as a job, but the reality of the time and young children and other children growing older and schedules all over the place. And it can be a lot more challenging than it used to be to be able to have a consistent time where we're just eating together. Everybody's here, let alone family worship. I do my best and I often rely on my toddler's devotional book because we can get that done with little kids and everyone still benefits Keep doing what you can, the basic stuff, and don't be tempted to turn away to other things or delay and say, I'll get to that later until they're 20 or 30. Same thing as elders. Don't don't be distracted from the hard work of discipleship and ministry. Keep your hand to the plow, that is, keep your eyes on the plowing. Be committed to plow the ground so you can plant it well as you look ahead in your mind's eye to the harvest. And don't lose sight that Jesus says the fields are white. Just pray for laborers that don't get distracted. Remember Psalm 121 and Psalm 123 that we just sang. Lift up your eyes unto the hills. To the Lord, lift up your eyes to the heavens where the Lord dwells. Keep your eyes looking where they belong, up and forward, not down and about, and definitely not behind. Lift up your eyes unto the Lord. With the heart of Philippians 3, 13 to 14, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And as you'll see, when Lord willing, we get back to, this is our next text, I believe, in Philippians. Forgetting those things that are behind are not really talking about sins. They're talking about whatever you've already done. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Speaking on our verse, Luke nine sixty two, Matthew Henry writes this. Those who begin with the work of God must resolve to go on with it, or they will make nothing of it. Looking back inclines to drawing back, and drawing back is to perdition. Those are not fit for heaven, who, having set their faces heavenward, face about. But he, and he only, that endures to the end shall be saved. Oh, beloved, may may you have Revelation 14, verse 4 be said of you. These are they which follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. Well, how do we get there in the end? Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. So to put it another way with those verses, keep your eye on the prize. That is, keep your eyes on Jesus leading you. Follow Jesus. Follow him immediately. And constantly follow him. Matthew 4, such a great example. When he calls his apostles, and remember the kind of apostles he called, when he calls them, what does he say? Follow me. And he doesn't look back. He moves on. And what do they do? They drop everything it says immediately and follow him. That's what it is to serve Jesus. You drop it, you leave it behind, and you follow ahead where Jesus is leading you. For the work of the church. By the way, for the work of the church, we come up with all kinds of excuses and lies for even where we move forward that is actually veering off course. For the work of the church. For the advancement of the kingdom of God. And by the way, beloved little church, struggling in this big city of San Diego with all kinds of interesting issues, the context of where we're often on travels with church work, everybody makes fun of where we live. Why don't you get out of there is the, impre- in, 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 is the idea. Well, you know what Jesus says in Revelation, remember? He, he, says, he says, endure, right? Overcome. Be a witness right where I have you. He never says, leave. He never says, run. He says, be there and be a witness. Keep looking at the harvest. Keep your eyes on the plowing. You keep running this way and that way when it's actually more for income and land. And those things are not wrong in themselves. And it doesn't mean anyone can't take a job, move somewhere else. But don't go somewhere where you don't have a plan to serve the kingdom at a church where you should be serving, not compromising and serving at a church you have no business being at, but you're there for a job or whatever else. Don't get distracted from following Jesus immediately and constantly. Drop everything when he says, follow me and follow him all the way to heaven with straight lines bearing fruit along the way. Does this other parable not call on us to make sure that we are bearing fruit? Well, how's that going to happen if we're not even plowing straight lines? Because we can't keep our eyes on Jesus. We can't keep our eyes on what we're called to, advancing the kingdom, not our kingdoms. John 8, verse 12. There's lots of encouragement here. John 8, verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He'll be with you. A lot of times we keep our eyes off the plowing. We're we're plowing in darkness. John 12, verse 26 If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. 
John 21, verse 19. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Yeah, just like we saw in 26 of Matthew tonight, a lot of times where we're called to go with resolve is sacrifice and crucifixion. But is not our testimony to be as we're plowing along? Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If we're going to turn our eyes just to the side for a moment, maybe that we're waving on one another as they're plowing beside us. Beloved, similar to making sure you are fit for the task in our text tonight, is what does he say? You're not fit for the kingdom of God if you're going to keep turning back. Therefore, you're not really living out Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You've got to ask yourself, sometimes if year after year there's nothing happening, it's because that's not your life. And you're not really following him. You're just trying to take from him. Trying to manipulate him and get from him. And then be gone. The truth is, if you're really putting the kingdom first, you're going to be found plowing with him and with your brethren until the day you die. And you're going to be giving to his work. I know I'm speaking to the crier, preaching to the crier, as it were. Uh, Matthew 10, verse 38, has the similar concern. If you don't want to do this, if you're not really serious about this, you're not fit for the kingdom. Matthew 10, 38, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. That's what he's saying tonight. I'm sorry, you're not worthy of me. I'm not looking for a bunch of wimps. I'm not looking for a bunch of people who don't want to get serious. I'm not looking for people who are going to keep following by the wayside with their hands on the plow that are turned over in the ditch or dragging them along with an animal that's wild and lost over the chasm, the broad way that leads to destruction that most are plowing along. And plenty of people who call themselves Christians. Look with me at verse 23 of our chapter Luke chapter 9, Luke 9, verse 23. And he said to them all, so notice the, really the impetus of this discussion. Notice all through these texts, even the verse just before, the Son of Man. That's something we gave a lot of attention to this morning. Uh, verse 23, and he, Jesus, said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This is a daily discipline. Discipleship is a daily following on Jesus, keeping your hand to the plow by keeping your eyes on the plowing, working for him. Not coming up with plenty of excuses to get distracted, to look around, and accomplish nothing for the kingdom of God, let alone yourself and your family and your church. Whatever you and Satan like to call it as you cover it over with a sugar candy coating. The context was Christ's call to serve him. The excuses were given by those who wanted to but wanted to wait. 
Oh, yeah, I'll follow. Oh, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. Especially with everybody here listening to see what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'll follow you. Later, maybe? Can you imagine this? Jesus is moving on with his disciples. All right, see you later. It's going to be great. I'm going to love following you. That's not, that's not his. He's like, I don't, have, I don't have time for that. The kingdom doesn't have time for that, and that's nothing. Jesus is calling servants to serve him as the king, building his kingdom. That's what this is about, church. And at some point, he comes back to consummate the kingdom. And there's going to be a lot of people who said, Lord, Lord, I prophesied, I did all those works before you. And he's going to say, get behind me. I don't know who you are. Because at the end of the day, as I looked around in the church, I didn't see you. I didn't see you serving Jesus, really. And if you did, you're kind of on the outskirts. You're not really in it, working it, plowing for the sake of others to be saved. And you're not doing it for my glory. You do it for your own. I don't know who you are. Get lost. You're not coming in the kingdom. Because you were never in the kingdom. You were never really about it. Oh, you had your hand on the plow. Maybe, maybe you had membership or whatever. But you were really this over here, distracted with the world. And it was really not but anything but really the world. Similar to our text, make sure you are fit for the task. Look to chapter 14 with me. Luke chapter 14. Make sure that you are fit for the task. Luke 14, verse 27. Jesus says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Oh, I'm a Christian. Really? Are you dying to yourself daily? Are you picking up your cross? Are you coming after him and following him daily and serving him really in the church work? Or... Can't, you can't call yourself my disciple if you're not working as my disciple. You can kid yourself with these excuses like these people did. But you got to wonder, did any of them say, no, you're right, I'm sorry, and follow after him? I mean, they're going to have plenty of people with them as they turn around, making them very happy to think they're following Jesus. Beloved, having counted the cost, truly counted the cost, stay committed. With your eyes forward, following Jesus daily, daily dying to yourself. Worthy to bear his name on you as Christian. If we can return to the baseball analogy... Elder Renner sent an email to session this morning to encourage us in our church work. Because let me tell you, yeah, we're tempted to turn our eyes somewhere else. We're tempted to get our eyes off the prize, off the field, and, and you know, call it something else. He said this in his email. In the movie, A League of Their Own, I heard the baseball coach, Tom Hanks, screaming at one of his players who was complaining because the game was too hard. He screamed out, if it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. I couldn't help but think of our jobs as elders, he wrote, and especially the pastor, and beloved I say, and of course every Christian. And of course, this is not a game. Farming is long, hard work with no seventh inning stretch. 
Serving Jesus is real, sustained sacrifice. Everyone won't do it. And Jesus says most won't. Narrow is the way. Narrow is the gate. But the glory that Christ shares with you in the end, beloved, is well worth it. Though you sow in tears, you will come reaping with joy. So keep your eye on the ball. Keep your hand to the plow. Move forward. Keep preparing to keep producing. Keep trusting. Remember Lot's wife. And keep your eyes on plowing. That's the message for you this evening. Keep your eye, keep your eyes on plowing. And beloved, that's uh, session, elders particularly, that's our job in leading the sheep is to follow Jesus and to keep their eyes on plowing. In whatever way that needs to be manifested in any one situation and stages of life. Nonetheless, our call is to keep our eyes on plowing until the Lord Jesus Christ brings us home. Keep your eyes on the plowing and your hand will be just fine. Let us pray. Oh Lord God, we do acknowledge and recognize we're so easily distracted. Let us cast off every sin that so easily besets us and keep our eyes on Jesus Christ the author and finisher of our faith, following after you daily, dying to ourself always, doing the hard work of farming, plowing with our eyes forward, trusting your promise that it's true. We need to labor for the harvest because the fields are white. Keep our eyes on that promise. Keep our eyes looking ahead all the way into the celestial city when then we will rest. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all your farmers said, Amen.